When the world is a mean and nasty little place Finding the truth can be a little tricky Don't go punch yourself in the face Just listen to it on fucking quickie Today's quickie predicts the three men who will combine to beat Joe Biden next November. Can you guess any one of them? First off, you know that's not how it works, right? I'll just play along. Okay, I'll go first. Donald Trump. Nope. RFK Jr.? Nope. Jink Ugar. Stop it. DeSantis? Nope. Ramaswamy? Nuh-uh. Tim Scott? You mean Eric Adams? Dude, that's so fucking racist. It's a joke. Remember the whole Sinclair broadcasting? Never mind. He dropped that anyway. Okay, okay we, we give, give up. up. Unfucking the Republic is brought to you by over-caffeinated members, Alfie and Flash, Asshole, Brie X, Cindy S, David MJ, Eric Wagner 101, Goat, Glenn, G. Wookie of Ohio, Jason, Kryn G, Leanne R, Marco F, Maria from PR, Matthew, and Michelle H. First up is a familiar name to unfuckers. Before he was a famous podcaster, before he was an advisor to the Trump White House, before he was sentenced to prison on obstruction of justice charges. He was an investment banker with a specialty in financing media deals in Hollywood and one of the founding board members of Breitbart News. Stephen K. Bannon was one of Donald Trump's closest advisors during the 2016 presidential election and, according to Lore, is one of the only people who discouraged the future president from dropping out after the grab him by the pussy tape surfaced. While it would go on to destroy the career of entertainment reporter Billy Bush, this famous phrase emboldened Trump, who once proclaimed that he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. Unlike so many other high-profile people who drop out of the mainstream media limelight, there's a case to be made that Steve Bannon has become even more influential in the shadows. According to Podchaser, a podcast analytics platform we use, Bannon's war room has between 11 and 16 million downloads monthly, and his show has almost a million followers on Rumble, if you believe their numbers. But it's less about the top-line figures and more about the influence he peddles on these platforms. There isn't a conspiracy theory he won't promote all in service of muddying the waters. Naomi Klein, author of The Shock Doctrine and other bestsellers, including her most recent book, Doppelganger, recently told The Guardian, quote, While most of us who oppose his political project choose not to see him, he's watching us closely. The issues we are abandoning, the debates we aren't having, the people we are insulting and discarding, end quote. Listening to what drives opposition voters and twisting these things into fear tactics and conspiracies serves solely to distract. It doesn't matter to Bannon what belief systems or doctrines emerge from the debate, only that we debate. Because the more we argue, the less we solve. Bannon is holding a debate with the American public on both sides of the political apparatus, throwing gish-gallop rhetoric to just keep us talking. A recent Esquire profile of Bannon by Chris Heath is long, meandering, and searching. It's actually quite a frustrating piece. Over thousands of words, the writer struggles to find a sliver, just a shred of doctrine in Bannon. Every thread pulled comes loose and winds up discarded on the floor. Every time Bannon is confronted with his own quotes, he denies them and obfuscates. Heath asks him about other rather unflattering portrayals and Bannon claims to love them. He's the epitome of no press is bad press. Spell the name right and whatever you do, just keep talking. When presented with logic, as in the clip you're about to hear from the Showtime show Circus, 
he accepts it while drawing sometimes opposing conclusions. Here's Tim Miller pressing Bannon on what Trump 2.0 might look like after Bannon just got through telling him that Trump is the most authentic candidate who genuinely cares about improving the lives of ordinary Americans. But here's my question. You have a MAGA lawyer who likes to come on your podcast, Mike Davis. Here's what he suggested were the top priorities for Trump's attorney general. One, fire the deep state executive branch. Two, indict the whole Biden family. Three, deport 10 million people, kids in cages. It will be glorious. Four, detain people at Gitmo. Five, pardon every January 6th defendant. What do you think about that five-step plan? I think plan? it's fantastic. We all should do five? It. All five. We're going to start the largest deportation program in history. All 10 million must, must leave. You're saying that, that it's about people's gut feelings, it's about people's lived experiences. You think somebody that's hang struggling, on, on, you think somebody that's struggling on. right now in the economy cares about firing random deep state people, indicting well, Joe Biden's you, there's many things brother, Tim, deporting did, did people? Did I say that's all they're going to do? That's Mike Davis, who'd probably be the attorney general. Miller maintains this look on his face throughout the entire segment of just complete incredulity. And Bannon just smirks because they keep talking. In the Esquire interview, Bannon was furiously texting with Heath during the McCarthy House Speaker fiasco, insisting that, quote, next couple of weeks going to be crazy nasty. As Heath writes, reading his texts and watching his shows, I find it difficult to determine how much he's reporting on events and how much he may be playing a role in orchestrating them. He certainly often seems to know what is going to happen next well before it happens, end quote. Side note, Bannon capped off his text exchange with, quote, toxic and lit, demonstrating his ability to connect with the younger generation because he texts like a 14-year-old girl. The piece ends chillingly with a gleeful text from Bannon to Heath when McCarthy was eventually ousted as speaker. Quote, chaos, he writes, is our friend. UNFTR is also sponsored by over-caffeinated members Nathan E., Nathan Surst, Nettie Hugger One, Pete M., Rob Nasby, Rodrigo G., Sherman Dreadnought, Sloppy Joe, Snail Powered, Sultan, Terry C., The Younger PDX Squatch, Todd J., Video Eng Alex, W. Jeremy D., and The Memory of Nettie McGee. My favorite little economic indicator, as you know, is the Conference Board of Leading Economic Indicators. They just published their quarterly report stating, quote, business investments stalled in Q3 2023 as interest rate increases made financing activities more expensive. A PBS report uncritically reported that, quote, if the healthy economic expansion and hiring endure, Powell said Thursday, the central bank might have to further raise its benchmark rate. The Fed's long series of rate hikes have raised the costs of auto and home loans, credit card borrowing and business loans, imposing financial burdens on many households and companies." End quote. So I want you to think about that statement for a minute as we contemplate person number two that will be the undoing of Joe Biden. If the healthy economic expansion and hiring endure, Jay Powell will have to consider raising rates. Because of its so-called dual mandate of maximum employment and stable prices, the Fed will stop at nothing to cool this economy. Here's longtime journalist Gina Smialik's blunt explanation in her book on the Fed titled Limitless. Quote, the Fed is purposefully insulated from politics so that it has room to make hard decisions. Most important, it sometimes needs to harm the economy to contain inflation. 
a difficult short-term decision that leaves society better off in the long run. So cool, so calculated. You know what China's inflation rate is? 0.7%. Prime interest rate, 3.4%. But I digress. Even with gas prices plummeting over the last 60 days, which helped boost holiday shopping figures according to most economic observers, the reality is that holiday shopping and most consumer spending is now being done on credit. We've covered this pretty extensively in our newsletter and in our pieces on the Fed, so you already know the drill. What's amazing is that the Dow and S&P are approaching their historic highs once again, even when short-term bond yields are higher than long-term treasuries and far less risky than the equity market. It's all so nuts and unpredictable, but it seems like no matter what happens, the investor class is killing it while the masses are getting killed. Anyway, that's tangential to the point of this quickie. Jerome Powell's relentless pursuit of 2% inflation at the cost of the entire economy has no other outcome than to smother the working class of the nation. Inflation is still a global phenomenon with wildly disparate figures from 2.3% inflation in Ecuador to 314% in Zimbabwe. Germany's prime lending rate is 5.8%, but inflation is 6.3%. Now, Brazil's inflation rate is about 4.7%, but their prime lending rate is, get this, 57%. The point is, interest rates are only one weapon in the entire economic arsenal. Public policy, social welfare investments, public infrastructure spending, areas of economic growth and focus, legal structures, trade balances, you name it, they all play a role in how an economy functions. Right here and now in the United States, because we have a system that favors the very top earners, interest rates are meaningless to them. But in comparison, higher interest rates are absolutely punishing anyone with student debt, car loans, fines of credit, variable mortgages, and credit cards. By the way, Cheech, that credit card you guys gave me last night was maxed out, so don't go spending all your cash on needles and guns just yet. The real concern here is the lack of any sort of coordinated economic plan. The Biden administration spent the entirety of its political capital on massive stimulus packages that will help transition the economy over the long term. Great, here's my problem. The money from these bills will take years to invest and decades to blossom. By sacrificing short-term measures like student debt relief, finally going after usurious credit card rates, allowing the direct child credit payments to expire, and letting monopolies that control consumer goods get away with outlandish price increases that generated historic profits for multinational companies, they sacrificed the vast majority of Americans in the name of large-scale infrastructure bets. And guess what? Everything they did can be undone if Democrats lose the Congress and the White House. And you know how that happens? When people are broke. So Jerome Powell will likely get his way as the economy for the masses sputters along. Businesses decrease investments, cut back on new hires, and then start cutting headcount. That's the natural death spiral that occurs when consumers and small businesses are squeezed. And then there's this fucking guy. God love you. Nine and a half million turkeys. I tell you what, that's like some of the countries I've been to. And the, anyway. The person behind door number three is none other than the man himself, old corn pop Joe Biden. In the first couple of years of his presidency, I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. 
So let's play upside downside. It'll be quick because it's well-worn territory on the pod. First off, he got us out of Afghanistan. Upside, we're out of Afghanistan. Downside, the people of Afghanistan are just as fucked as they ever were. A trillion dollar infrastructure bill. Upside, we need it badly and it invested in some old stuff and some emerging market stuff that will serve us well in the long run. Most of this will likely be left untouched because it spreads it around to red and blue states alike. The downside is that it was so overdue that it barely makes up for lost time and it will take a while to filter through the economy. The Inflation Reduction Act more specifically targeted clean energy initiatives and helped close the spending gap for seniors on certain healthcare items such as prescription drug costs. This is mostly upside with a few caveats. The early returns on the concept of carbon capture, that's one of the big investments, aren't all that promising in terms of reducing emissions. It's a very expensive potential solution to a problem that can only really be contained by attacking the protein production and fossil fuel industries. Moreover, these are initiatives that can and will likely be reversed under a Republican-controlled government. The Chips and Science Act is designed to foster domestic production of important technologies to reduce our dependence on foreign companies and boost innovation sectors in the United States. This is mostly upside, though there is the stubborn fact that most of the products this bill is designed to promote still carry tremendous environmental risks. But in terms of employment and economic activity, it's mostly positive. The Biden administration made marginal gains promoting safer gun laws with extended background checks and offering incentives to states to reduce the number of guns on the street. But with an intransigent Congress, it's obviously short of what's really needed, such as a national assault weapons ban. There were smaller technocratic achievements that went less publicized, like net neutrality being back on the table with the recent rule changes at the FCC. But the same downside applies here in that this can and will be easily undone under a Republican administration. So that's a top-level upside-downside review of the first three quarters of Biden's term. It's highly unlikely that much gets done in the final year, considering the state of play in Congress and the nature of presidential terms in election years. So the administration is going to be riding on these accomplishments in the hope that they overcome the negative discourse from the Bannons of the world, a lackluster economy courtesy of Jay Powell and a deadlocked Congress with one priority, to lock up the president's son and impeach the president. And then... There's the candidate himself. What a stupid son of a bitch. The American most in need of a nap. But I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed. Is muddling his way through press conferences, falling off bicycles, shaking hands with flagpoles, and summing up America so elegantly. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the, foot, uh, foot, foot, excuse me, in the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping. Holy fuck. Listen. We all know Donald Trump is losing it and Mitch McConnell just periodically stops working. But come on. I mean, come the fuck on already. At some point, Dr. Jill Biden's got to be like, bruh, that's a wrap. Despite Biden's flagging poll numbers being bested by Trump in nearly every major poll, the country is still willing to support a, quote, generic Democrat by a slim margin. Nothing says fuck you like the voting public saying, Literally anyone, no name, no face, just generic, please, instead of the dude already occupying the office. That being said, it's not hurting the down ballot yet, as evidenced by the fundraising gap between the GOP and the DNC. Democrats have raised 
two to one over their Republican counterparts thus far, which is likely an indication of fear over a Trump presidency and strategy to at least try to capture the House. Having gotten out of the prediction business like everyone else, it's precarious to try and speculate over what will happen a year from now. But if everything held as is, I can imagine a Trump White House and a split Congress with Dems retaking the House and the Republicans potentially taking the Senate. It's all kind of a disaster in the making yet again. And then there's Biden's flagging numbers among young voters and the fracture within the ranks of the Democratic Party over our blind support of Israel at the moment. According to Politico, quote, the shift is largely driven by respondents under 35 years old who overwhelmingly say they disapprove of Israel's response to the October 7 Hamas attack, 66%, have greater sympathy for Palestinians in the conflict than Israelis, 52%, and believe the U.S. is too supportive of Israel, 50%. Older voters, especially those over 65, are far more likely to hold the opposite positions and be more supportive of Israel as are Republican voters, end quote. I'm not suggesting that an administration should be guided by poll numbers, but a conscience wouldn't hurt. Biden's view of Israel is familiar and steadfast among his generation, especially considering Biden was a co-author of Maimonides' Mishneh Torah in the 1100s. Narrowing the scope even further, Biden doesn't even have to lose a large swath of young voters. As James Zogby writes in The Nation, quote, if past Democratic defeats have taught us anything, it's that we can't take any group of voters for granted. If Biden loses just 25% of the Arab vote in Michigan or 5% of the rest of the progressive coalition, it could spell defeat in 2024. Listen, there are so many variables at play between now and the election. So this is an overview of underlying threats to the status quo anything can happen. I actually believe that Biden isn't going to run. I know, I know. But there's no reason to pull that trigger before decisions are handed down in the multitude of cases against Donald Trump. Yes, he can run from prison. Yes, that actually might be a rallying point among MAGA Republicans, but I actually think that it could scare off normal Republicans to the extent that any exist. And don't read too much into the past with Eugene Debs running from prison and try to correlate this election to literally anything that has ever taken place in this country. This would be the most bizarre circumstance imaginable. Then you have third party spoilers and whatever deals might be happening behind the scenes. RFK Jr. is not to be fucked with. Neither is Joe Manchin for that matter. The rest of the clown show is just a sideshow on the GOP side of things, but these two in particular can wreak havoc on the Democratic side. Let's say for a moment that Joe doesn't run. I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed. I can easily see the DNC orchestrating a Harris run with someone like Gavin Hansom Newsom Winsome Lusom as VP because they're stupid and pandering. But it would be well after any other Democratic candidate could seriously mount a campaign to primary this decision and raise enough money to be taken seriously. The Democratic machine is in full control, having finally neutralized the progressive threat from the Bernie wing. Again, I'm just spitballing here, but it makes sense in my twisted mind. No matter what, I don't see a path forward for Joe Biden to remain POTUS. I really don't. But I'm really interested in learning more about this generic Democrat.
Good afternoon, Mr. President. Air Force One Captain Bremer speaking. We're making our final descent and should be on the ground in Iowa in a few minutes. Huh? Iowa? Iowa or nothing. I never even met her. Oh, Joe, he said Iowa is in the state. We're going to do some good old-fashioned barnstorming today. Hey, I love barn. I used to build them as a kid from Pennsylvania with the Amish boys down, down the road. Where's my hammer? I prepared talking points for Joe, Mrs. President. Thank you, BB. Uh, just remember to stay on the plane and out of sight of the press, okay? No problem. Here, Joe, let me buckle you in. We're landing. How come we didn't take the train? I love train. Quiet now, Joe Biden. Mama was thinking. Uh, welcome to Des Moines, Mr. President. Okay, people, you know the drill. In and out as fast as we can. I want the prompter set up, speech handed out so people know what he's trying to say, and for God's sake, don't let him wander. Jill, be a deer and roll up his sleeve. I have the new campaign doctor coming into the cabin. Jill, am I giving blood for the war effort? Damn Confederate will never win. Kamala, I have a new blend of adrenaline, horse urine, and synthesized alpha factor from Joe Rogan's private stash that should do the trick. Thank you, Bobby. Hey, I know your granddad. We have the same name. You're working with Robert Kennedy, Mrs. President. I don't understand. You don't have to. All part of the plan. Okay, Joe. This'll only hurt for a second. Holy Jezebel, that's got one hell of a fucking kick to it. My fucking heart is gonna come out of my throat. Where's my bayonet? I'm ready to fight those fuckers. That's the horse piss talking. It should calm down in a minute. And he'll never get the flu again. All right, people. We're ready to roll. Open the door. Hey, they love me. They really love... Good Lord. Is he dead? Sadly, no. Not a chance. I'm okay. It's the end of the episode where we used to do show notes. Now we just talk through a few things. Reflect on what was said or what we should have done instead. Oh, post-show musings. Hey, everybody. Sort of lightened it up a little bit, right? Welcome into post-show musings. Been a while. It's been a while. We didn't do a lot of post-show musing in our Israel-Palestine series. It feels good to get back in the saddle and be a little silly again. How you doing, 99? Good. I prepared today for the cold studio. Oh. There's a notification. <laughs> Let me shut that off. Somebody die? Um. Well, there are weirdly are EMTs in front of my building. Oh, That's okay. my roommate texted me. That's strange. We're just excited because of uh, Chicago Fire, because they have EMTs on there, so. Oh, of course. My roommate said Gabby Dawson. That's one of the stars. It's like nothing's changed. You're still watching that terrible, terrible well, show. Well, I finished Chicago PD. Now we're watching Chicago Fire. Oh, right. There's 11 seasons of it, and it's coming back on January 17th. All three Good. nights, one Chicago. Lord. <laughs> and I got my sister involved. Holy shit. She's watching all three at once. There's somebody in like an analytics studio. <laughs> Dick Wolf. Miles and miles away being like, I don't know. They, they got this down in New York. They seem to love it. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. I want them. I, I, we plotted out a whole one Chicago universe. Like 
We got Chicago Gov. Mm. I want Chicago DCFS, Department of Children and Family Services. Will you dig back into the archive and and watch Chicago Hope? What's that? It was a competitor to ER starring Mandy Patinkin, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's so random. Isn't it? They should tie that in. Chicago. What else? uh, Oh, Crime Story. Crime Story was like a follow-up to Miami Vice. It was like a late 80s show. Okay. Did it take place in Chicago? Yeah, it was a Chicago story. Okay. What was the name of that actor? Unfuckers, help me out. Oh, continue with your Chicago stuff while I look that up, because I love this guy. He just passed away a couple years ago. Oh, no. Um, Yeah, what else do we want? Uh, Chicago Bomb Squad, Chicago FBI. Uh, We just had, we came up with one yesterday. Oh, Chicago Finance? Like, give me the bankers. Let's see some bank robberies, you know? That sounds fun. Uh, Chicago (laughs) Homeland Security. Dennis Farina. Oh, okay. I know that name. Yes. Who uh, had an, a, a, just an amazing turn in uh, with Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro in, uh, oh my God, what was the name of that movie? Oh, no. No, Midnight Run. Okay. Amazing. Crime Story is an American crime drama television series created by Chuck Adamson and Gustavo Reniger. Produced by Michael Mann. Oh, no wonder I loved it. It was a Michael Mann show. That's a pretty good impression of some of the accents on the show. That's not bad, right? No, there's it's Chicago. There's one girl who she she talks like that all the time, yeah. but like then it slips and she's talking normally. That's not good. And she'd just be like, big. <laughs> pick, pick a lane. I like the Chicago accent a whole lot, but to me it's very, very similar to Buffalo. But it's sort of like, you know, and Canadian is sort of like Chicago and Buffalo had a had a baby. Well, Steve from Sex and the City, I think he's supposed to be from Brooklyn in Sex and the City, presumably. But he just uses his regular voice mm-hmm. in Chicago, and now it's a Chicago accent. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. And wh- who was he in Sex and the City? Who did he date? Miranda's husband. Oh. Moanda? Oh, that guy. Moanda? Yeah, I, David Eigenberg? Come on. That guy. Yeah. Ray Liotta. Not Ray Liotta. What, was, what the fuck was his name? Oh, Dennis Farina. Why do I have Ray Lou Liotta in Frigno. my head? Dennis Farina. God, he was great. Chicago. Uh, so, 99... <laughs> posited a new theory to me that Mark Cuban is divesting of all his stuff because maybe he wants to run for president now. And it's almost like, yeah, why the fuck not? Okay. The billionaire white dude, right? We've never had that before. Well, technically, we've never had that before. Technically, yeah. <laughs> billionaire, still a billionaire. He would. Very rich. I'm not supporting him, but he would make a better president than Trump. <laughs> Isn't I, that like factual? I don't know. Listen, I don't fucking know because I'm still in the camp of if you've never done anything in this job, don't run for the top one. Stop it. He's a shark. It's just like being in Congress. It's got to be. You just shut things down. And sometimes you're like, all right, I'll get on board with that one. Kind of negotiating. All right. So your team Cuban. Yeah. All of a sudden. Yeah. 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 Okay. Did he invest in shark? uh, uh, Shark. Shark daddy. Scrub daddy. Was he the scrub daddy investor? I don't know. It was probably the QVC lady. You know how much I love Scrub Daddy. Every once in a while, my wife's got Shark Tank on. She really likes it. She's also the master of having a million ideas that when they pop up, she's like, that's my idea. Mm. I used to have a lot of inventions when I was younger. Yeah. Um, when you were younger? Like like a month ago? Yeah. No, and I was like Oh, how old 99 12. thinks she is. I am old. When I was young. Mm-hmm. You don't even know how old I am. Yeah, I do. What? Mouth it. No, how dare you? <laughs> I'm not that old yet. God. No? No, I'm six months under what you posited that I said I'm not that old yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Oh, never mind. She's really old. Wow. <laughs> okay. Does it really matter at this point? I've never said how old I am. Yeah, I don't know. I'm 29. Hey. <laughs> One you more said clue. I was 30. One more clue. So now <laughs> you know that she you has say a I'm bright red mohawk. Yeah. To and she's your, 29. To match your handlebar mustache. That's right. No, now they know that I don't have that. That's true. Now they fucking know what you look like. That's right. That's right. Just Max. Um, yeah, so Mark Cuban. So look, it could be, let's say, Mark Cuban. Do you think anyone calls him Mark Cutie Bun? Definitely. Like if he's cute butt? Like a cute butt? Absolutely. Cornell West? RFK Jr. Joe Biden. Maybe handsome Newsom Winsome Loosome. Uh Joe Manchin. And uh the Donna, the Donald. Marianne Williamson. Marianne Williamson. Who else can come out of the woodwork? I don't know. It's a curious. Guy Fury. Oh, for real? That'd be that that would that would make a lot of sense in this moment. I mean, it wouldn't shock hmm. me. Is that is that bad? No, at this point, I'd be like, all right. Ooh, you know who should run? What's his face? Uh, Roger Waters. <laughs> oh, sure. I know that he's not American, <laughs> but he loves Israel or hates he Israel. Which one was really it? Really hates Israel. Okay. So yeah. now, now he's probably back in popular favor. Before everyone was like, you're an anti-Semite. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, you're just one of us. Right. Right. I saw a video of two. Uh, so all the social media accounts are calling people who ripped the poster down like of missing people, they call them Jew haters. And they go name and shame. And they're just doxing all these people. I'm not saying I support it, but the phrasing Jew hater just makes me laugh every time because it feels Why? like, I don't know, it feels like something like a 12 year old would come up with like, you're a Jew hater. Mm. Like they couldn't come up with anything. It's just, why Why rip down the fucking posters? Well, What's wrong so with So this people? girl was cutting one down and um, the person was filming them and they were like, why are you, ripping down the poster of the, of, you know, kidnapped hostages and of Israeli people. And the other person said, oh, the one that Israel killed. And I was like, that's a new theory. Israel killed their own people, question mark. Oh, boy. Because you know how they, they're like, yeah, it, October 7th didn't happen, like that, mm -hmm. that whole lane. It's so in now, the Sandy Hook lane, right? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Now they're like, no, this didn't happen. There are no hostages. It's not real. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, good. So I think Roger Waters would probably do well. I did see. Excuse Other me. do you think I'll be president? Isn't that like in the song, <laughs> that's essentially? Great. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's eerie. Mother, do you think they'll drop the bomb on me? But he also says, break my balls. So yeah. it's not it's not as poetic, you know, at the same time. I love the wall. I know you do. We've had this debate. I love where I said Tommy. Is it a debate? Well, it was a debate where I said Tommy was better. That's stupid. The movie. That's just but dumb. I have since rewatched Tommy and conceded <laughs> that it's not better. It's terrible, but they intended it to be terrible. Oh, okay. So that's okay. Nothing is worse than any of the old Beatles movies. But and, they also were supposed to be bad. Kind of stuff that they did. They were just a bunch it's of goofballs. Unwatchable. I don't yeah. think so. Hard Day's Night. I mean, I'm not like, this is peak cinema, but they're, it's just, it's history. Did we have this conversation? I think we did, actually. I think we probably had it on the heels of this very conversation. Uh, the financier of Monty Python, mm. George Harrison. Mm. Yeah, they couldn't get uh, funding for Life of Ryan, which happens to be my favorite of all the Monty Python classics, uh, because it was just so 
anti-Catholic church. Mm. And uh, so the church was just having, they were having no part of it. Nobody would touch it with a 10-foot pole. But George Harrison funded the movie. Yeah, pretty neat guy. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. Rip. Rip. So we're coming near, uh, coming near the end of the year. I have a, I have like one ambitious episode planned and then, you know, a couple smaller ones we had to the end of the year. But I'm thinking that my focus is really going to be on our (laughs) part nine anarchism, Uh, the life and times of Mikhail Bakunin. Don't don't get that in your head. Mikhail Bakunin and Rosa Luxemburg emerged as my favorites from the series, by the way, Hmm. for, for what it's worth. Uh, is, is actually really paying attention to our digital assets. 99 and I have, a, I think it's fair to say, a significant amount of work ahead of us in the next few weeks to get everything where we want it to be. Yeah, that's basically what's on my agenda for the rest of the week is yeah. getting our, our website in tip-top shape. It's, uh, the reason I say it's, oh, I think you'll see when, when you see it on Fuckers, between... The way that the newsletter is evolving, the way that we're hopefully going to evolve the YouTube channel and what you see on the website, I think you're going to be impressed that our little operation here was able to pull it off. But I can also tell you that it is, I mean, at at this point, there is just no sleep. We're really going after it. We're really going for it. We want to take this thing to the next level. All the people, all those sponsors that you hear 99 mention, they're the ones that are putting this over the top. And all of the other members uh, along the way that just, you know, or anybody that tips us with coffee or buys our native roasted fair trade bird friendly, -friendly, shade grown, organic, organic native roasted coffee direct from the Puspatuck Reservation. The Yonkachog people with Amy at the helm of Big Mama roasting every single bag herself, packaging it herself. Now, thanks to you with a couple of other supporters that are there and team members she was able to hire and that really is thanks to you on fuckers you know it's um it's it, it, all of it matters it all counts we're doing it the hard way let's just let's just say that we're doing this the hard way until i make my conservative pivot and go after the wilkes money that uh ben shapiro takes the cokes backed or coke backed uh what's her face that girl who? Nick, Nikki? Nikki Haley? I think so. They've made their choice? I think so. I, I read it today. Hey, unfuckers. Brother. Donald Trump becomes the nominee. Does he choose? Yeah. Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley? Well, the Coke Network endorses Nikki Haley. Yeah. So that was all in air quotes. Well, I mean, it's quoting. I'm literally quoting it. Does he, does he pick up Nikki Haley? No, I don't think he could deal with having a woman around. He'd try to fuck her. Wow. Does he? I'm not even kidding. No, nope, I hear you. Although, isn't he 80 also? Pills. So many pills have access to lots of pills. Yeah, he's probably fucking all the time. Horny, tiny hands. Horny goat weed and all of this stuff. St. John's wart to deal with his. A friend of mine asked me the other warts. day. He's like, "Bro, you're 50, right?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "You on tea yet? You doing t- testosterone?" I'm like, mm, "Nope." He's like, "If you're 50 and you're not taking testosterone, you're a fucking fool." Like, well, that was aggressive. Sounds like someone. Are you sure he's not just taking straight up steroids? (laughs) Yeah, no, testosterone. Who is this man? Do I know them? Yeah. Okay, tell me later. Mm -hmm. This is my favorite part because Mm -hmm. I've just, (laughs) I've been able to collect Max's friends along the way. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, not not taking that yet. But tempting. Tempting. I don't think you need it. 
a sloping brow, what pimples on my back, oh, and uh, more road rage. Boy, I had some road rage the other day driving my family. Boy, I never have road rage on my own. But if my family's in the car, That's I the am opposite so of when you should have road rage. susceptible to road rage when somebody does something fucked up. I know. I, I do it when I'm alone. Yeah? Yeah, because then I'm like... What's your road rage like? Uh, hey, you mister, stop driving so fast. I did flip a man off the other day. And then started to cry? No, I was... What? He was being a dick. He was pulling onto the middle of the street, like, trying to get in front of me in a dangerous way. And you didn't cry after you flipped him off? No, I don't care about a stranger's feelings. Okay. Just kidding. No, he deserved to be flipped off. Oh, wait, was he over 75 and white? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but then I was afraid he was going to follow me home, so I regretted it. Okay. Uh, my road rage is usually just yelling, you know, na naughty words at them. <laughs> Ooh, like what? <laughs> no comment. Oh, wow. Oh, this is good. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'll just be like, like what are you doing? Like, hater? Uh, yeah, no, I'll just be like, what are you fucking doing, brother? Brother? Yeah, I like a, I like a brother. You brother. Yeah, or yeah. like a fuck off mister. Maybe cocksucker every now and again. I, I like the P word. I'm sorry. Don't say it. I know. I said it in the quickie. Well, that was. I was quoting quote. our president. Pussies are stronger. Hey, hey, hey. I'm allowed hey, to say hey, pussy. Hey. Jesus. I would never call someone a pussy, though, because that's a compliment. Is it? Yeah. Pussies open up. Listen to how much you're saying it. They and open I can't up and a it? baby shits out. <laughs> what does your ball sack do? <laughs> that was the other thing. I was like, listen, I could do, I could, I could definitely do with a little, uh, you know, maybe some, some tightening up in the ball region, uh, you know, cause they, they do drop Ew. and I know. And, uh, he's like, oh yeah, yeah. That is one. That is definitely one thing, uh, is the, the, your ball shrink a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm, um, too into that. He's like, nah, think of it as a facelift. I'm like, it's just not a facelift and not doing it. Plus I don't want to lose my hair. I don't know if that's a thing, but I think the more testosterone you have and you know, I mean, you know, my hair, come on. Mm. Yeah, it's what I have. Like everything else is falling falling to pieces on me, but I still have my hair. What's so. falling to pieces? My, everything, especially my soul. Oh well, that's different. I'm so very very. I don't tired. know that testosterone. <laughs> testosterone. I don't know that that's gonna solve it. Maybe you need an antidepressant. No. See, this is the thing. What? You? I went to therapy twenty years ago. I don't need it now. I did. I went once. <laughs> I think you would like it. And she was great. And I was yeah. like, oh, that was, that's it? Yeah. And she's like, yep, you're good to go. If I, I like, could, Thanks. if I had, oh man, if I had a per, the power of prescription, yeah. if I had a pad, yeah. I would solve, like, I'd just be like, look, I want you to take 30 milligrams of Lexapro uh -huh. and just, just hang in there. And you would be on top of the world. We had our family debrief on the way back from Thanksgiving, which was lovely, by the way. And, uh. Yeah, we didn't talk about it. And, um. <laughs> My daughter was like, uh, we were like, all right, what's everybody's takeaway? What do we got? And my daughter was like, I think like two thirds of our family is like heavily medicated. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, it was a lovely Thanksgiving. That's <laughs> why everybody's just cool, man. It's all good. That's the move. If yeah. you're not on meds in 2023, what are you even doing? Except for my father-in-law who has existed taking 30 to 40 vitamins a day for his entire <laughs> life and a 30 minute nap. Never not, always in the middle of the day, did it. My wife said he's, from the time she was little, she remembers him always disappearing for a 30-minute nap. And he has the key to uh, youth and longevity. He's you, a miracle. You say that, except there's like the 150-year-old woman who's like, I smoke a pack a day and I drink 30 rack of Bud Light and I'm never going to die. So it's like, you can't really, it's all anecdotal. Yeah, it is. And it's genetic. And I, I am looking for the pill. I would love 
to be able like to pull from Limitless. I yeah, that is my fantasy. Limitless is my fantasy. It's called Adderall. I would love to know everything. Remember yeah. everything. Adderall. And uh, but on the genetic side, I'd love to be able to like drink a whiskey every day and smoke a pack of cigarettes. That would be like that'd you, be like the you perfect do life. that. What's that? No. <laughs> You nuts! I just think just that have would be a pack. Great. Just be like in the forties, but you you get to live forever. Mm. Well, I don't want to live forever. Uh, I'd like I'd sign a contract for ninety two. Forever. I think that's a Taylor Swift song with Zane. We were talking about Jimmy Carter before, by the way, and how he needs to go and yeah. join Rosalind. When you said we had a team meeting with our other job, and Max was like, <laughs> he does trivia, <laughs> and uh, he was like, "What's was the question? Just what was her name?" Or what was she? Who's in uh, Who's in the great state, Manny Face's great state of Georgia lying in repose? Right. And so the answer is Rosalind Carter. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, I don't wish death upon people, but he needs to go. And I, the the reception among the team. Not great. There was some faces like, huh. Yeah. And I was like, I think you misunderstood what he meant. Yeah. Join her. She'll <laughs> yeah. go together. He will. I, I predict. I don't any, know. Literally any day. I don't understand why he didn't die first anyway. He's been in hospice. Isn't like. He's, yeah, longer. This isn't hospice now. This is that's just yeah. a nursing home. A strong motherfucker, Jimmy Carter. You'd think he'd have like a hey, you know, boost that line over there. Let me just drift off. I think she is just getting stuff ready, getting the house organized for him. Do you think he's gonna build houses in heaven? Is there, is there a song called Houses in Heaven? Because Tears in Heaven. Oh, yeah, but Houses <laughs> in Heaven. I feel like I should write that. Okay. Houses. It sounds like House on Pooh Corner. Poot? House on Pooh Corner. Pooh Corner. By Messina and Loggins. Pooh Corner. Loggins and Messina. Yeah, I know them. Why would they write a song called Pooh Corner? It's, why can't I think of how it goes now? I don't know. Return. You know, House at. Wow. Kenny Loggins has his own song called Return to Pooh Corner. You don't know this song? No. Thankfully. No, it's good. Oh, Christopher Robin and I. Nobody got Christopher Robin the other day. That was another uh, question in our trivia. Who has? Who's, well, who's the human who has the Pooh Bear? You said, because your audio cut out, and you said, who has a teddy bear? And then oh. you just stopped talking. There was and like, oh, there was a raise their hands. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, everybody? What? No. Yeah. I have a I have a stuffy I carry. I can't get any of my fucking audio straight on the rip the cord out of that other thing that we set up yesterday because mm. nobody could hear me. I was like, sorry. That's not your. I fault. think it's your. I think it doesn't want to be in the laptop. I guess not. You. you well, that's me. what I got. I was about to tell you about my stuffy. Yeah, because you told about your stuffy. Mm-hmm. Well, your daughter's stuffy. Mm-hmm. His is a moose. Guess what his name is. Mm. Murgatroyd. No. No, I wouldn't be that. I don't know. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Heavens to Heavens to Murgatroyd. Lester. No. The Molester. Moose Lester. Yeah. Um. Mm. <laughs> You're going too highbrow. Too highbrow. Yeah, he's a moose. Bob. He's a moose. Bob. Guess what his name is. Bob the moose. No, he's a moose. Guess what his name is. Uh. Hey, Rocky. <laughs> oh. He's Watch a- me pull this rabbit out of my hat. He's a moose, so his name is. Bullwinkle. No, he's a moose, so his name is Goose. Well, you have a teddy bear whose name is. Is his name Moose? Moosey. Is mo- wow. 
<laughs> so I was trying to, I was trying Moosey. to help you. Yeah, his name's Moosey. Mm-hmm. He's yellow. You still I've, have Moosey, right? Of course, okay. I've had him since you, I was wait, three. Wait, do you have him in your apartment? Of course. Okay. I have, and now I have. I'm on a mission to collect all of his family. Oh. <laughs> so I have like a different version of Moosey. Mm. Then I have a little nerd version. He's got like little overalls. Okay. Then I have a clown Moosey. Oh. He's kind of scary. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, and I just found a Christmas moosey. All right. Yeah. So okay. I'm going to own all all of the mooseys in the world. I have a tiny, tiny, tiny little teddy bear that was my teddy bear when I was little mm. that's still sitting on my desk, oh. but was on my mom's dresser until she died. And that wow. was the first thing I went and I reclaimed and took Teddy back. So he sits on my His desk. His name is Teddy? Mm-hmm. And you're rolling your eyes at me for naming my fucking moose moosey? I'm not. I was three. So was I. I get it. I had a blankie named Sniffy. Mm-hmm. A blanket. Okay. So my little one has a uh, a bear named Scratchy. Oh. Mm-hmm. Is he Scratchy? He was a little Scratchy. <laughs> Would have asked scratchy. for a different bear yeah. if I were her. And she loves a little Scratchy. Still has a little Scratchy. You and then should. my eldest, um, Alice, travels everywhere with her. Literally everywhere. I took, I took Moose to college. Yeah. Yeah. It's a must. I took him to sleepaway camp once and my friends made fun of me. What? And one time they, they're not your friends anymore. They hanged him from the ceiling. Assholes. Like on a noose. Assholes. Yeah. That was at Jew camp, right? <laughs> See? This yeah. And I came, I was talking, I was outside talking to a boy I liked, and uh-huh. they're all screaming at me from inside, 99, come in here, 99. And I'm like, what? And then I come in and my moose is hanging from the ceiling. Those fuckers. And then you know what? I didn't bring him back for a couple years. I bet. Because I said, That's leave traumatic. him alone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You it's went okay. That. They're still my friends. One of them's not. She was definitely the one who orchestrated it. She was a little fucked up. I hope bitch. she got the help she needs. All right, unfuckers. Uh, well, this was nice. This was <laughs> totally relevant. This was nice. Well, this is about what goes on in Joe Biden's head. So hey. this was an inside look. <laughs> hope everybody enjoyed today. We'll catch you in a little bit. With what? I don't know. What? What? Bye. Bye.